Hello and welcome to Feature in a Short. My name is Justin Joseph Hall, director and editor of Four Wind Films. Feature in a Short is where movie makers present, watch, and discuss cinema. In this podcast, we are featuring documentary producer and director Ellen Gusenberg Kent, who I have had the pleasure of working with briefly on a project. I love her stories because they're always structured incredibly, and they follow people that you wouldn't normally hear from that are facing incredible odds against political systems. You're going to hear she chose two films where people become activists against authoritarian governments. Ellen is incredibly driven, and you'll hear the thought that goes into documenting people who struggle against people in power. Both films tonight were graciously screened by MTV at Nighthawk because they make amazing food and have the perfect ambiance for an intimate filmmaking experience at the cinema. Our first film is Anastasia, a film about a Russian activist. And here is what Ellen had to say about Anastasia. Thanks, everybody. Just quickly about my own journey. I started out as a journalist. I was in a TV newsroom, and I had a chance to make my first documentary, and it was about Prince Charles, now King Charles, and his wedding to Diana. It was so electrifying, and I thought, this is the best gig in the world. And I like to say that that was before documentaries were cool. But now documentaries are essential. And they're essential in countries where there is no freedom of the press, like Russia, and in countries that are war-torn and we don't always get the full story. And we certainly rarely get the human story of the people on the ground and what happens to them in the aftermath. Anastasia is a short film which is made by Sarah McCarthy. She's Australian, but she has relatives in the Ukraine. They were making the film at a time when Putin was arresting a lot of oppositional politicians and journalists. Anastasia, who is the subject of the film, was on the Russian intelligence want list. The cinematographer also spent three months in detention because he had made a film previously that the government didn't agree with. There's a couple of things I pondered, and maybe it's something we can talk about after. Is it worth the sacrifice that people make when they decide to stand up in countries that are authoritarian and when it's dangerous? And if there were no Anastasias in the world, what would be different? So anyway, let's talk about that after, and I look forward to it. And after the screening, we had a short discussion about the movie. When we were getting ready to go to Afghanistan, which the regime there is also untrustworthy. Certainly at the time that we were getting ready to film the Taliban, there were many, many incidents of terrorism. When you go to a place like Russia, where you know that you can be arrested at any moment for any reason, and they can keep you for as long as they want, and it doesn't really matter, there are all kinds of things to think about. You definitely need safety protocols and you need all kinds of kidnap and ransom insurance and things that you can't even believe that you're thinking about. And if you're bringing a crew, you're taking responsibility for their lives. So there are also check-ins every day from secure phones and phone numbers so that if you don't hear from somebody, then you have a fixer or somebody on the ground who can investigate. You always need to have a fixer or somebody in the country that knows how to operate there and has relationships with people in the government. Sometimes you need to have a minder. Minders have all kinds of instructions about what you can and can't shoot. When we were filming The Girls in Afghanistan, safety was the primary consideration, and we agreed to shut down any situation where there was any kind of danger at all that anyone perceived for any reason. 
we ended up having to cut a scene because people are left in Afghanistan and are in danger. Not everyone was able to be evacuated. And so you, you really have to think about, even though the subjects of the film may be safe, anyone that they know, anyone that they worked with, any of their family members, extended family members are in danger. It always helps to have as many people working on your crew who are from that country because they understand the customs, they understand the body language, they know when there's danger, they feel when the wrong kind of vehicle is sticking around for the wrong reason. So, you know, this is stuff you have to think about. And then, you know, at the same time, their voices wouldn't be heard. Their stories wouldn't be told. You wouldn't feel their humanity if we didn't make these films. And so you can't ever convince someone to, to be a subject of your film. It has to be something that they want and that they believe in. And it's part of the risk they take. I mean, they take a risk just doing what they do, just being who they are every day. I think for somebody like Anastasia, who did sacrifice a lot, I mean, I think that the film focuses a lot on this last scene and sort of uses it as a vehicle to talk about her loss. But you don't feel the two years that she was away from her kids, but it's, it's huge when you have young children. You never know how long it might last. And the minute that you're out and you think you're safe, you might not be. I have a friend who's from Russia, and this reminded me of a film that she talked about. It's called Leviathan, and it's a feature narrative. It just goes through how the government just takes away somebody's land, and they can't do anything about it. And that just seems like the government has absolute power. And to be able to stand up and speak against the government when you know that those things can happen, because in Russia, it doesn't matter if you're just a normal person going about your own business. The government can take over what you're doing. And so they have to choose to be in the documentary, and that you need to get their permission. But in a way, if people like you aren't doing this kind of work, if this film isn't made, then they also don't have the protection afterwards if nobody knows about it. And there has to be so many more people that don't get a documentary crew to follow them that are going through this then there are people to document it what do you think these films do as protection for folks like this i mean once somebody has become somewhat of a public figure once they're known internationally you might think that a government might think twice before retaliating against them i don't think that these films protect activists i think that they amplify their voices and they engage public opinion and ideally engage us as citizens and voters to decide what kind of leaders we want and what we're going to fight for where we're going to put our money or our time i think that's what documentary films do interesting that they didn't say where she went i found that interesting yeah and i think that's purposeful right speaking to that point russia assassinates people outside of their borders and i think that was purposeful right to well i think it was purposeful but it's been disclosed that she's in lithuania now the film was done to shine a light on what was going on in syria with that ellen presented her feature film afghan dreamers presented by MTV and Sheila Nevins. And Afghan Dreamers is a film that really summed up the U.S. sentiment of the Afghan war for me. You see young women coming through and how the U.S. decided to end their involvement in it. And you feel the social ramifications of that. But here is Ellen presenting. Afghan Dreamers is uh, a film that I was lucky to be involved with from the beginning. I remember hearing about this group of girls, an all-girls robotics team, that was prevented from coming to this country because they couldn't get a visa. 
they had been invited to an international competition. So there were teams from all over the world that were able to participate. This was happening in Washington, D.C. It was in 2017 during Trump's reign of terror. And these women were told that they couldn't get a visa. And the international outcry was so loud. And so many members of Congress stood up and said, these girls are not to be feared. These are precisely the kind of people we want to have in this country. They're here for a peaceful competition. So the decision was reversed and they were able to come, making Trump look like a hero. I had no idea what happened to them after that. I lost track of them. I didn't, I wasn't involved in filming them when they came to this country. And I forgot about the story, but not really because it was in the back of my mind. And then miraculously, I had an opportunity to make this film because when they were in this country, they met some folks who had the wherewithal to fund a film about the team. When we began it, I thought it was going to be a very uplifting story, and it is. But they also took tremendous risks. During the film, we served typical Afghani dishes, sheer chai, an Afghani salad, and kabuli pala, which was absolutely mouth-watering. Nighthawk chefs know how to do it right. After the screening of the feature, here was the discussion. This is so fantastic and so compelling and heartbreaking. A lot of time was passed between the beginning of the film and following the girls until this time. So how do you know when you're doing a film like this, you know, like where do you begin? Where did you begin? Like the time frame and how did you capture the past and then how did you continue? Great question. So we were not there in 2017. They had this opportunity to come to the United States and didn't. We were lucky that a very talented filmmaker was filming them at the time, and he was not able to raise the money to complete the film, so he had it in the can. We got involved in the film in 2019. We actually entered the film as they went to Dubai. That last competition that they had as, as high school girls and the one in which they did not do well. And that was where we began our filming. So everything before that is archival or was filmed by someone else. Once the girls landed, these girls wound up in Dublin. Our team was involved in trying to get them out of the country, but they had already made other arrangements. So we ended up helping get some of their families out. They were lucky to be sponsored by a, a musician and activist in Ireland. So that's where our girls went. Subsequently, one of them got into a college here in Missouri, Samaya. The new girls who joined the team, none of them are in this country. They're all in Dubai. A lot of the families are here in this country, but the girls are not reunited with their parents. And you know, that is a really tough thing. And actually, we've tried to get the other girls who are in Dublin to this country, and we can't get visas for them. I don't know why. It's a very strange thing, because you would think that these girls are exemplary, and they have a lot to offer this country, and their families are here anyway. But unless they get into colleges here, they won't get visas. I think the government is concerned that they'll blend into the population and they'll be here illegally and they don't want to encourage that kind of thing. Samaya so came to Woodstock when we showed this film. She was very emotional and these girls are traumatized. Our main character has been hospitalized in Ireland because she isn't doing well. 
we feel like these girls are lucky. You know, they've had these opportunities, they've had these international experiences, but it is hard to fathom what they've been through. She lost her father, she persisted, and then the country fell apart. What is your target audience? What is your dream vision of how this film would come about into society? Oftentimes, the very countries where you want to show these films won't let you. So there's absolutely no chance that this, this film will be seen in Afghanistan. And so how do we put pressure on the Taliban, let's say, to open up schools for girls? There will not be a next generation of girls that will be able to learn this stuff, not unless they decide to open the school. So Samaya testified at the UN and she has tried. She's the only one in this country who is able to come to the UN and they had her in front of the Security Council and she was saying it's been 400 days and the United States has utterly abandoned us and so has the rest of the world. What are you going to do? Are you really going to turn your backs on the young people and especially the girls and women in Afghanistan? And, you know, the political calculus might be that you know, we have other places to be advocating. I think it'll probably fall to the next president to make a decision about what to do. But I, I don't think Biden is doing much. We also took all of our contractors and everyone out who would have supported the Afghan troops to be able to at least put up a half decent fight. They had absolutely no support and almost no weapons. It's kind of a national disgrace. The organization that we co-presented the film with is doing everything that it can. They were based in Herat, which is where the girls were based. They had to evacuate the country and they're sort of working from outside to see what they can do and to see what kind of influence they can have. I think that's the best that we can do is to try to find organizations that are genuinely working. Obviously, the film became something of a triumph to a tragedy by the end. And you said you entered the film around 2019. Did you have an indication that this would become the narrative by the end of the film? And how did that impact you by the time you were finishing the film? Like I said, we thought this was going to be an, a story of triumph and uplift. But as time went on and our government was negotiating with the Taliban, it was pretty clear that things weren't going to go well. Our hope was very aligned with the girls. They made a difference. They really began to change perceptions in a country that is very hard to move. You know, they're not in a place that is ruled by Taliban leaders. And there was some hope that if the government was able to hold on, then these girls would be pioneers. And the idea was that these girls were going to be leading the next generation and advocating for STEM education for girls, which isn't an even playing field even in this country. And when we first premiered the film, there was a bombing in a testing center for students, primarily girls, who were taking college entrance exams, if you will. And 25 kids were killed, mostly girls. So the violence goes on there. And it's good that we get to enlighten people about these incredible young people and what they're capable of. There was a scene where the girls were meeting with the military police in Herat, 
it was a conversation. They wanted to learn about the kind of robots that the country might benefit by having. In the course of that conversation, of course, we were seeing the faces of all of these military police. You know, it's hard to know which of them might be evacuated and which of them might still be stuck in the country. But anyone that was in that scene who might still be in the country is potentially in danger. So that scene had to go. But what was heartbreaking for me in that scene was that the military police was struggling because they didn't have the technology that they needed to detect and dismantle mines. After all of the years of American involvement there, wouldn't you think we would have trained them and given them the technology to be able to dismantle mines? And the answer is somehow we didn't. The girls are resilient. It's my hope that they'll get a chance to have their education internationally and one day return to Afghanistan and be the kind of leaders that they dreamed of. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor. Manuele Mengotti is an Italian-born filmmaker who, after winning the green card through the lottery, moved to the U.S. to discover whatever happened to the American dream. His documentaries are part of the new Italian wave of cinema del reale. Mengotti is working on a trilogy set in the American West of Babylonia from 2019. is the first installment where people decided to live without running water electricity in the Sonoran Desert. Red Sky at Night is his second installment filmed in Las Vegas and focused on three characters who try to live their dream during the 2020 elections. And his new project will be filmed near Death Valley where the whole world seems to be frozen in the 90s. Red Sky at Night is planning to start the festival run this winter. You can find his profile of his Instagram at E-M-A-N-U-E-L-E underscore M-E-N-G-O-T-T-I on Instagram. Please check it out now. Our second sponsor, Joshua Septo. He has a film out now that was a special jury prize at the Tribeca Film Festival and a Critics' Choice nominee called Stranger at the Gate, where a U.S. Marine returns home to Indiana with an all-consuming rage and plots to bomb a local mosque. But when he comes face-to-face -face with the community he seeks to kill, this story takes an unexpected turn. And in the forecast to look forward to, you can see Marcellus Hall, an artist in New York City, we will be heading to Rio, playing there. We'll be heading to Yopfi Fest. We just played at NZ Web Fest. Thank you for Ellen Gusenberg-Kent for coming out. Thank you to Nighthawk and their events manager, Chanel, who made our first public showing in New York run smoothly. Thank you to everybody who made this podcast possible. Our editor, Billy Joe Leitonen. Piper Worley, who helped us, took all the photos at the events and did ticketing. Chanel at Nighthawk Events, MTV Documentaries, Laura Davi for letting me get out from watching the kid for a night, Brian Trahan, our sound mixer, and sound assistant Hans Bilger. The theme song for season six is Getting It Done by Kevin McLeod, found at IncomeTech.com. That's all for Feature in a Short. Our next episode will be on a request from a listener like yourself. What do you want to hear more of? Write us at info at fourwindfilms.com. Follow us on social media. Write us there. That's F-O-U-R-W-I-N-D-F-I-L-M-S. My name is Justin Joseph Hall, award-winning director and editor. I'll talk at you soon. Peace. <laughs>